It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Three, two, and one. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by JT Olson of Bucks Report. Thanks for, ha- uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to see you, man. And uh, if you want to follow JT on Twitter, he is at Icewater Olson. If you want to follow Bucks Report, you should follow them at Bucks underscore report. I would assume if you guys didn't already know this, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, JT is a Bucks fan. Um, and I thought, I mean, I thought it was the perfect perspective to kind of go over power rankings because now that we're kind of like in the, the lead up right up to the draft, like we're, you know, essentially in the dead season before the draft actually hits, there's a lot of superlative storylines, narratives that are kind of getting beaten to death. But one thing that I don't think we've talked about enough is really where do teams really stack up after free agency and before the draft? Because I do think that that will influence a lot of teams what they're going to do. Um, so, and that's why I reached out to you and that's why I thought it'd be a great idea to kind of talk through kind of where we see the, the NFL as a whole. And then also kind of like just touch on kind of some, some of the teams that look like they might have some needs that could move them up or down quite a bit. Yeah, it was real smart of you to reach out to me, have me talk on this because when you're at the top of the mountain, you can see everyone. You're just looking down, you see who's close, you see who's far away. The view here is spectacular. And uh, I would say it's definitely hard to see you from down where I'm at. <laughs> I don't know. I think you might be a little closer than you realize there, Joe. So, uh, and actually, so we'll, we'll, let's start off with this just because I think people are going to get mad at me regardless just because I am pretty low on the Broncos compared to you. Um, I have them at 23 on my board right now. Uh, I just think, and again, I like the roster a lot. I don't necessarily know anything about the quarterback position. And based on what we know from last year, I think it's a huge question mark. I also think because of that, and then you combine that with the the fact that we don't know for a fact that Von Miller is going to come back healthy. And the fact that the receiving core, Cortland Sutton was also hurt. And then also the receivers that were healthy, they were young, but they didn't really produce what you were hoping for. So for me, I couldn't move them up much higher because a lot of it for me was based on hope. And I didn't want to move them based on the idea that I'm hoping Drew Locke puts it together. Um, But you're higher on Drew Locke than me. So I think that's part of it. See, I think I'm just a little higher on Drew Locke than you. I'm more hopeful maybe on Drew Locke because I like the tools. I like potential. I might've been higher pre-draft, but I think we both agree he's a low-end starter. He's in that... Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of tier. It's like, you don't want that guy to be your starter, but I mean, how many backups in the league can you plug in there and have a better option? That's fair. And so you have them at 14. So you, and again, we talked about this the last time we chatted. You you think that they can contend for the playoffs, even if it's Drew Locke? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just, I just love that roster overall. I think you add a middle tier quarterback i think they're a playoff lock i mean that's and that's my hope is that that's what they do in the draft uh the other big needs that kind of jump out to me is linebacker i think linebacker is obviously probably the most obvious need now outside of quarterback um i also think corner 
uh, is kind of a low key need just because Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan are both gone after this year. And then there's just injury history stuff. So, um, that's one reason why I like, and I've talked about this a few different places, but I wouldn't mind if they draft a cornerback highly, just because I think that that guy will end up seeing the field at some point during the season. Yeah, I think there are a few question marks on the defensive side, particularly the back seven. I I choose to believe that Von Miller and everyone who was injured is going to come back healthy. We're just at a point, you know, medically in the world where these top tier athletes, they typically bounce back and they're at full strength. Not always because, you know, the human body has some wiggle room to it. Not everyone's the same. Medical care is so advanced, you can pretty much count, okay, they're coming back in nine months, they're going to be going through rehab, they're going to be good to go come season. And one thing with that, I think that, and, and this might be why I am too low on the Broncos too, is the Broncos were one of the most banged up teams in football, not just last year, but last year and the year before. Uh, and that's not even including COVID. That's just pure injury type stuff. Uh, by Football Outsiders Adjusted Games metric uh, stat, they, I want to say that they were one of the six most banged up teams in football the last two years. And history has shown, because I've followed, you know, football outsiders forever. History has shown that usually when a team is that injury, like that, that down, they tend to bounce back in terms of like, they start to creep back towards average. And so that means that some of these guys will probably be healthier this year. And again, Vaughn Miller is probably the biggest, most obvious one. So I could be too low on him for sure. Um, uh, kind of moving from that. I, I think we agree, obviously, on the bottom. I think Houston's a dumpster fire. Um, I it looks like an expansion roster at this point. And if they if they whether they keep Deshaun Watson, I don't think they will. Um, but if if they if he either is not able to play or they trade him, I think they're an expansion team, and I think they're the favorite for the first pick in the draft next year. Oh yeah, I mean they were a bottom three team with Deshaun Watson last year, and I think. A bad roster got worse. You don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun this year. And I don't know if the coaching situation got any better. I really don't. I don't think it did. And, I mean, and I'm not trying to, again, I, we haven't seen him coach yet, but I, I'm i not optimistic. Yeah, I have no reason to believe that this will be a coaching upgrade over a bad coach. And the thing with Houston is they basically need just about everything but left tackle because they traded for Laramie Tunsil and they overpaid him. But basically every other spot on the roster now looks like either a question mark or like we're hoping the guy comes in. But so when they draft and they don't even draft in the first two rounds, like when they pick, like they can go any direction is kind of the big thing. And big question for you. Yeah. Outside of Tunsil and Watson, how many starters can you name on that roster? Philip Lindsay. I think he's the best running back they have just because I think Mark Ingram is washed. And I think David Johnson is washed. Um, beyond that. It's a short John, list. They have Jonathan Joseph and I think they're going to try and play him at safety. But like again, he's got to be like 38 yeah, now. He's, he's seriously he's old. old. He's old. Uh, I mean, I, I'd have to look it up. I, when I did my, when I wrote this up for my higher report, I definitely like looked at the roster but it's mostly guys. And that's, again, like it looks like they just free agency was basically just throw as throw a really wide net and hope some of these guys stick because odds are they're just going to be a garbage fire next year. And that's, and I think he knows it. Like they signed over 30 free agents. And I can't name you two of those free agents. This is a who's who's of nobody. Kind of. Yeah. 
the next team that we agree on is Detroit. Uh, and Detroit's at 31. It's, I think it's a similar idea where they're happy to be bad. Um, I think their plan is be bad this year, lay the foundation to get good with picks down the road. Is kind of the vibe I get. Like they let Kenny Galladay walk for nothing. They traded Je- uh, Matthew Stafford and got a haul back, including Jared Goff. Um, I know that like you're going to hear that they believe in Jared Goff. I think they're going to give him a chance, but they're just trotting him out to kind of take the abuse for this year. Is how I see it. Yeah, the rebuild is starting now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is year one of the rebuild. Again, you're projecting a top five pick. We think it's going to be pick number two, but. Take your lumps, your bad team, your defense is bad, your offense is bad. You know, get those culture guys in there, establish something for an incoming quarterback in the future, build that offensive line, get a receiver, and, you know, just build next year. They have multiple first-round picks in the next two drafts after this one. So the future can be bright, but right now it's going to be ugly. And the thing that's always and – and I feel for Lions fans, and, again, I know you and I both know quite a few of them, just because like they've been rebuilding forever. Like it's, 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 and it's one of those things where it's like, it's a new regime. So they are rebuilding. It's fair for them to have to rebuild because they have to put the pieces back together after Bob Quinn tore it all apart again. But I mean, in terms of like building block pieces, they don't have a lot. So it's, it's rough. No, outside of Frank Ragnow, I like TJ Hawkinson. I think Decker's okay at left tackle. I believe in Okuda. Um, but he had a pretty rough rookie season. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, he just came into such a bad situation. Mm -hmm. I think he's got all the talent in the world. I think he'll bounce back and be a really good pro, but at the end of the day, you have a tight end, two offensive linemen and a corner and not much else. And one of the things, and this is like a sneaky down the road type of thought with him is if they don't fix their pass rush this year, there's a decent chance in terms of like his actual charting numbers and stuff will still look pretty rough. If down the road they're willing to part with him as like a sell low type of thing in terms of like if they're still rebuilding, I'm very intrigued because I think in the right situation he would turn into an all pro. I he was a top five pick for a reason. Everyone felt comfortable with it. Corner isn't typically a position that goes that high, but everyone felt good about it. He's that mm-hmm. good a player. Uh, so we kind of start to split off a little bit after the t- the bottom two because again, I think those two are they're obviously bad. And I think, but after that, I have Philly, you have the Jets. Uh, and then for me, for Philly, I am trying to find, you have them at 29. So like, it's not like we're far apart on that. I am a decent bit higher on the Jets than you. I have them at 27. You have them at 30. Uh, the big reason for that is I do like some of the things they did in free agency. I do think that their roster is still pretty garbage. Um, and again, right now they don't have a quarterback. So honestly, I might be too optimistic because I, I did make this ranking before the Sam Darnold trade. So, and obviously that like would have adjusted a little bit, but now that they don't have Sam Darnold, ah, uh, like I, I would honestly, I'd probably agree with you. I think that that's probably the, the fair place to put them because at least Cincinnati, Chicago, and Philly, at least they all have quarterbacks. Right. And, you know, after the draft, it'll be different. We all expect it to be Zach Wilson going there at number two. But, I mean, there's a lot of bad with this roster, even there if is. they had a placeholder quarterback. How do you feel about Zach Wilson landing with them? Do you think he has a chance? A chance to go there or a chance to be good? A chance to be good in that situation. Because I think we all, I think, like, people listening probably, I, I feel like everybody at this point expects Zach Wilson to be a Jet. 
I think they could surprise us and take Justin Fields. I don't think they will. Um, I mean, all indication is that, that that's what they're going to do is Zach Wilson. Do you think he has a better chance than Sam Darnold did? I definitely think so. I Like I said last time I was on this podcast, I really like the coaching staff they have in place there. I really like Robert Sala. I think he's going to be a great a great uh, kind of leader there, a great CEO. And I really like the staff he's brought in. You know, a lot of 49ers ties, obviously. They have a great system over there. I think they're going to have a really good running game. They're going to probably do that outside zone run. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a really QB-friendly situation. And he has a lot of talent. I yeah. mean, he's my QB4, but he's a good QB. I like him as a QB prospect. He's not a bad prospect at all. So you're not one of those people that's like stay away from QB four because historically QB fours are always bad. No, 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 no. If you've got hey. the talent, I mean, you got the talent. I don't care if there's three better. You know, you're a franchise quarterback. You're a franchise quarterback. I think this is an atypical draft that way. So I, I, I agree with you. Um, let's talk a little bit about Philly, just because we do have them. I have them thirty. You have them twenty nine. If I move the Jets down, obviously Philly would be twenty nine. First of all, the athletic wrote a piece today um, that really talks about the ownership being like micromanaging and stuff like that. And that's a whole outside of this discussion. But I, if you do have a chance to read it, I do recommend it. It was a good piece. Uh, but to me, the fact that they're staying with Jalen Hurts, I'm not a, like, I think Jalen Hurts could be a fun quarterback. I don't necessarily think he's ever going to be a good quarterback. I don't think he's an accurate enough passer. Um, I don't think he throws with enough anticipation. I just, his ball placement is kind of wanting. He's a good runner, good leadership, good intangible, stuff like that. So like, he's the kind of guy you root for. And I think I would feel really comfortable with him as a QB two, because I think he would fit in as a QB two and kind of help you win if he has to. I don't think he's a guy you want starting for 17 games. And I think by game five or six, Philly is going to know that. Uh, And I think the rest of their roster is kind of garbage. Um, not, Not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, so I'm just, I'm not optimistic with that. Even in the NFC East, they might sneak out a couple of wins just because the NFC East is pretty weak, but I'm not optimistic. No, they're bad. They're a stone throw away from being in that Texans lions tier kind of bad. Yeah. And I agree with you about Jalen hurts. I don't think he's going to be a good pro quarterback. He has some running ability, which is why I put him over the jets. So at least he brings something to the table. I don't like their play playmakers outside of Rieger, who I didn't like over Justin Jefferson last year, but I did like. Yeah, I did so too. You know, he's got value. I think he's a good piece. Uh, I really like their defensive line. They have Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. There's some talent there, even if some of it's getting a little older. But this is mostly bad. The back seven outside of Darius Slay is not good. The offensive line is kind of deteriorating before our eyes. They're, they still have Zach Ertz, but they're looking to trade him, I've heard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been rumors all offseason about that. So, I mean, there are a couple O-line retirements and injuries and a Zach Ertz trade away from being just absolutely terrible. And one of the things that I have an issue with with Rieger, and I like him, is that I don't necessarily know if he's a great fit with Hertz. I think Hertz, ideally, you'd have big receivers who can make him right. And I don't think that's Rieger's game at all. Um, so that's a concern. Uh, it's similar to like KJ Hamler or Drew Locke. Like I don't hate KJ Hamler. I don't necessarily know if he's the right pick for Drew Locke just because I don't think Drew Locke's going to put the ball in him in a way that he can really maximize the, the touches. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to give that have that same problem. 
it wouldn't surprise me if a year from now there starts to get some heat under Howie Roseman just because of the way this all has gone down where they push Carson Wentz out, they push Doug Peterson out, they basically reset everything and then they move down to keep the quarterback. I mean, it's just, it looks like a kind of weird situation for them where they're kind of content to just ride out the year and suck and figure out what happens next year. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot to learn about this new coaching staff in Philly. Yeah. A coaching staff that I like, but I think it's kind of too soon for. Like, I think – I can't remember the coach's name. But I think he did a really good job in Indy with the Colts as their offensive coordinator. Hmm. But, you know, when I looked at potential head coaching candidates, you know, this was one that felt like a year or two away still. Really like what they're doing, but I just don't see it as that head guy right now. Well, and part of it, I think, is like when when they fired Peterson, they were the least appealing head coaching spot. Um, they were a capped out roster. They had the Carson Wentz dilemma kind of hanging over everything, and it's a rabid fan base. Like Philly is one of the one of the toughest media markets in terms of like n- not necessarily the biggest, but I just think that they don't really give you a lot of room to be bad or to make mistakes. And uh, Nick Sirianni, I do think that he could be, he could be decent, uh, but I don't think we know. And I think it, it's one of those things like they, they gambled on a guy that might be a little bit too soon just because they couldn't really get anybody better. Yeah, I think it's a, it was a risky hire. Yeah. And I think he's a smart coach from a schematic X's and O's thing. I just don't know if he has that leader of men quality to him. Uh, so kind of moving moving to the next kind of spot, you and I are pretty close on Cincy, 28 and 20, 29 on my board, 28 on yours. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say with Cincy. Like, Cincy is, like, content to be bad. And that's what's so frustrating about them because I know a few Bengals fans at this point. I le- Like, Joe Goodberry, if, and I doubt he's listening, but on the off chance you're listening, like, Joe Goodberry's a good guy. Uh, but just like they have Joe Burrow and like even Burrow did this when he was drafted last year, he basically was like, are you guys really serious about contending? And so the Bengals moves have been to basically try to keep Joe Burrow happy. And I think like, that's probably the way to do it because like, if he leaves, like, what are you doing at this point? But their defense is a dot, like their defense is really bad. The fact that they kept their coordinator to me is more a sign that they just don't think they could replace him. I don't necessarily think that he's going to suddenly turn it around. Uh, so it's just, I think they're trying to be entertaining and bad, not necessarily good. Yeah. This is like they're half in half out. Like I like some of their pieces. Like, obviously I like Burrow. I like the playmakers he has around him with Mixon and Higgins. They drafted last year. I think he's going to be a good receiver. And I like at least one of their offensive linemen in Jonah Williams. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like DJ Reader on the other side in the trenches, and I like some of the young linebackers they drafted last year. It's just there's a lot of question marks. Yeah. And if it's not a question mark, and outside of those guys I listed, it's pretty bad. Well, and one of the big things I think hurts them is they they desperately need an offensive, like they need their protection to be better, which is why like the Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase is such a raging debate right now. Uh, but beyond that, you look on the other side of the ball, they they. They don't really have a great edge rush. I know they signed Trey Hendrickson, but Trey Hendrickson is a down, like he's a downgrade from Carlos Dunlap. I know the sack numbers may not point to that, but I think he is. And then I know their cornerback situation is kind of questionable. So 
in a passing league, they, they don't have the two things that you really, really need to contend on defense. And so that's a concern already. And if they're going to spend, they're not going to trade down. Like basically everything we've heard is that they're not going to trade down. So they're going to take a piece to try and keep Joe Burrow happy and stay relevant on offense. But you still have to stop people. Right. And I don't think there should be any real debate between Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase. I think that should be Sewell with a bullet. Because if you're not winning in the trenches, you're not winning. You know, you can have all the receivers in the world. You and I grew up in that era where the Lions were just drafting first-round receiver after first-round receiver. Yep. And they were terrible. Yep. And their offensive yep. line was bad. Yep. And they made their quarterbacks worse than they were, and no one could get them the ball. And you got to protect your assets. And you spend a first overall pick on a quarterback, and you have one decent lineman to protect them. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, there are five starting linemen. you got to have more than one. So... I think they're setting themselves up for failure. I like some of their pieces, but just overall, it's just they got to commit to it. Well, and one of the things that I'm very, I'm really intrigued to see what they do. They signed Riley Reef uh, from the, I want to say from the Vikings, and it's a short term move. He's a starting right tackle. They have Jonah Williams. So, like, you can argue that they don't need Penne Sewell just on the fact that they have two tackles. But I do think that, like, if it was me and I'm running the Bengals, I'm looking at Sewell. You can find receivers in this class deeper down the board that could potentially develop into a quasi wide receiver one, uh, especially with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to spread the ball around. Like you can make that work. Um, while I think that this tackle class is quite deep, I do think that there's a clear difference between Penny Sewell and the next guy on the class or on the board. I'd agree. I mean, it's deep at both positions, wide receiver yeah. and tackle. You feel good there. So I think they're going to get a good second round value either way. But where do you really want to spend your premium assets? Protecting your quarterback or getting him a third good wide receiver? So one one pick, this is kind of like, and, and I know we're kind of going pick by pick. So like, let me know if I'm taking too long with this. But the next the next pick that I see that we have like a real a real difference on is actually my 28 is Chicago. And you have them quite a bit higher. So I just I want to defend why I'm so low on them. I think Andy Dalton is bad. I think he is like I was worried that the Broncos were going to sign Andy Dalton and just call it a day because he's not really threatening as a QB1 anymore. Uh he's the kind of guy you sign to if if the if the Bears were looking to draft a quarterback and then have Andy Dalton serve as a bridge for a year, I think that would be a fine decision because Andy Dalton is the kind of like he's likable. He can he won't poop his pants like he's well most of the time. Sometimes he will, but he won't poop his pants so badly that you have to rush a quarterback in. But the Bears, because they they snuck into the playoffs last year, like they're nowhere near a quarterback. And it wouldn't surprise me if they try and be one of those teams to trade up and get a guy if he slides. I just don't think quarterbacks are going to slide far enough in this class where they can really go get one. And then you look at their defense, their defense is older. And I'm not a big fan of most of their offense at this point. They they have a couple pieces, obviously Robinson, but I'm not high on this roster. I half agree with you, which is why I have them as a middle of the road. I think they're half a good team. And I think Dalton can be a good bridge, like you said. I don't he's not someone I want running my team. I put him in that Drew Lock tier of, yeah, you'd like to upgrade here. 
but who are you plugging in that's going to be better? You don't have a ton of backups out there who you can just, oh, this is a better option. He's one of those better backups if he's a backup out there. Mm-hmm. But I I like the defense. It's getting older, but it's still good. Like, you have Akeem Hicks. He's a monster to block yes. up front when he's healthy. They're getting Eddie Goldman back this year, who is one of the better nose tackles in the game. Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack. Roquan Smith is a really good young linebacker. They've got Eddie Jackson. I'm excited for Jalen Johnson at corner. I really like the defense overall. I don't think it's as good as when Fangio was there. You know, you lose a great coach, you're taking a step back, but they still have a lot of really good talent. And offensively, yeah, it's not great. You know, it is what it is. It's just not good. You have Andy Dalton as your quarterback. Half your offensive line is looking pretty rough. I mean, average at best when you're starting guys like Charles Leno. That's not ideal. But I really like Allen Robinson. He's back. I really like Darnell Mooney, who was kind of their breakout wide receiver rookie last year. He's a guy I had as one of my top ten receivers. And he actually proved me to be pretty smart last year, which is, you know, rare. (laughs) So... I'm still high on him. I feel validated that he's a really good third option there. I think they're going to add one, and I know this isn't for this power ranking, but I think they'll add another wide receiver. No, I do too. No, and I and again, I'm I'm more than happy to talk about the, the draft stuff because this this is going to get dropped as pre-draft power rankings, and I'm going to talk about the team needs. I agree with you. I think that they're going to definitely look to try and add weapons because – they're counting on the corpse of Jimmy Graham to serve as their tight end. Like, I think they're going to definitely have to try and draft a tight end somewhere too. And this tight end draft is, it's okay after Pitts. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think they have like a guy that's going to be a huge difference maker as a rookie, but the bears need help there. Yeah. They need to help a lot of places. They do. But um, I, you know, it goes back to the last time we were on here. I talked about how I believe that elite strengths are what win you championships, what get you to the playoffs. And I think the Bears still have an elite strength in their front seven. So the offense can be meh. They can ground and pound, throw a couple shots down Robinson. But at the end of the day, I think that defense is going to take them at least floating around 500. Do you think that Nagy and Ryan Pace are going to survive this year? No, I think they're toast. Same. I, I think the Bears made a huge mistake keeping them for this year. I honestly think this the best course of action for them, and this is again, this might be one of the reasons why I'm so down on them. I think keeping Ryan Pace, essentially what you're doing is you're treading water. Every all the key pieces on your defense are getting older, except for Jalen Johnson. Well, he's getting older, but like it's not a concern yet, obviously. But but like Khalil Mack, stuff like that, I feel like you're wasting a window by keeping those two in place when you really need to bring somebody in and kind of like reset that. And they didn't. And essentially, they, they made the playoffs at 8-8 eight and eight last year. You can't be 8-8 eight and eight anymore. So it's like anything but a winning record, they're probably out. And I, I understand why they tried to do the Russell Wilson trade. The fact that it didn't work out for them, I think they should have been more aggressive. I don't know if it would have mattered because if the Seattle Seahawks didn't want to trade Russell Wilson, they were never going to trade him. But, I mean, I, I just, again, I just think they're kind of, they're treading water waiting to blow it all up next year. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I felt like they kind of surrendered their Super Bowl window last offseason when they rolled out a combination of Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky and said, this is our plan. This is what we're doing. We don't want Cam Newton, you know, take a flyer there. We don't want to sign Jameis Winston, who threw for 5,000 yards. 
we're going to roll with Nick Foles, who got benched in Jacksonville. To me, that was a sign that Ryan Pace didn't learn anything from the Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson pick. Uh, because again, Nick Foles is about as uninspiring as Mitch Trubisky, and he has been. People always point to his Super Bowl or the fact that in 2013 he was good, but like, guys, it's 2021 at this point. Like, no one cares. Um, the other thing that really sucks with Nick Foles for them, and people, I want to mention this just because like it's it's been floating out in like Broncos Twitter forever. I don't see how they're going to trade him. The like people have kind of floated this idea that like Nick Foles might be uh, available as a trade. Here's the thing: if the Bears trade him, it costs them five million three uh five point three million dollars to trade him. They only actually save one point three. Like this is a team that's pretty hard up against the cap. Like just eating that dead money to move Nick Foles seems like a really dumb course of action, considering the fact that Andy Dalton has an injury history. So I don't I don't think yeah. that's going to happen. There's no good options for them. No. They're they're trending for third place in the NFC North, and I don't think there's anything that can stop it. So, we we both are kind of close on Jacksonville. So I don't want to. I think Jacksonville once they get Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to move them up a decent bit. I don't really love what they did. I think you and I have talked about like Urban Meyer to me is kind of a question. Uh, I'm not super inspired by him. Um, I think again he could make this work. He's he's made quarterbacks work before. I just worry about him being in or out, but I, I do like the idea to sign Griffin. I do think once they get Trevor Lawrence, they in the AFC South and the AFC South is, I think is moving down outside of uh, the, and honestly all four teams in the AFC South to me, as of right now, didn't get a whole lot better. If not, they got worse except for maybe Jacksonville. Um, And so what, once they have Lawrence, I think they, they will probably compete in that division, but right now they don't have him. Um, right now they're counting on Gardner Minshew and I like Gardner Minshew, but I don't think he's a true difference maker. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he's a, he's kind of in that same Dalton lock tier, low end starter, high end backup, but we've talked about, we like some of the players they brought in. It's just, what are the Jags? They brought in so many weird pieces. You don't know exactly what they're going to be. You don't see how all the pieces fit together yet. Even, you know, once they get Lawrence and whoever the other first round pick is going to be, you don't see the plan. What would you do with that other first round pick if it's up to you? Uh, well, I was actually just writing my mock draft, which is going to come out a week from today. And I've got them going safety with that pick. I'm glad I've you got said them that. taking Trayvon Morig out of TCU. Uh, so on my post, and this will drop, you know, drop with this, uh, this pod. Uh, for their needs, I have quarterback, safety, tackle, and receiver. And I think Trayvon Morig for them would help a lot because he's an actual free safety, and I think they need that. And I think, and again, this is one of the reasons why I like Trayvon Morig so much. I think he can play in a single high type of defense. Like the, it looks like the Jaguars are going to run for the Broncos. If he was going to be put in a split safety role, I think he'd be very, very good at that as well. That's what he actually did at TCU. But he has the range, and in this class, there's not a lot of safeties with range that can also play. Yeah, I like him. He's just good at everything. He, he's someone who just, I don't know if he's going to be great at anything, but he's good at everything. I think he's just versatile. You can plug him in anywhere. He's going to be successful. Agreed. Uh, so one team that you and I are li- not far apart on, but we're a little bit far apart on, you have Atlanta at 26. I have him at 22. My big thing, uh, the reason I have them a little bit higher is just because I'm low, a little bit lower on Carolina 
and then Chicago, but they didn't do anything. Like they they didn't have the they didn't have the ability to honestly. Like Terry Fontenot came in, the team was capped out. As of now, they have fifty two players on their roster, and they only have I want to say they have three point eight million in cap space. So like he basically they couldn't do anything. They restructured a couple contracts to try and create cap space. They went and signed Mike Davis to be their RB one as of right now. Um, and to me, this is why they're a prime trade down candidate. If the opportunity presents itself, just because it would make sense for them to try and split that four into more picks to try and build up the roster in a way that they want. Um, but I do think that they're going to sit and see if, if Trey Lance falls to them at four, I think they're going to take Trey Lance. Yeah. Atlanta is just a year away from the rebuild. I think I do too. You know, you got you got those offensive weapons, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. They're both good. I still like where they're at in their careers, but they're slowing down. They're not that top tier anymore. Julio maybe because you know he's just incredible. But you know, three years ago, Julio was the best of the game. There was no doubt about it in my mind. Now I have doubt. Now you know he's in that conversation, but I don't think he's the king of the hill. So, you know, they're just, they're getting older. And outside of those couple of core guys who they've had, who do you have on this team? Who's the long-term pieces? One of the things I, here's a question for you. Would you trade Julio uh, if you were able to? Yeah, I wouldn't. The, so the Falcons are in this weird spot where like right now they cannot move him. But if they designated or traded him after June 1st, they would actually free up $15 million in cap space by trading him. The problem is obviously like Julio's coming off a down year, one of his worst years of his career. He's 32. He's been banged up. But I but I think, again, if knowing where your roster is at as a GM, I think is really important. And I don't think this team is that close to contending in the playoffs. Like if everything goes right and like say the Bucks and the Saints kind of both like fall on their face because of health stuff. I think Atlanta could be a sneaky dark horse, like nine and seven type playoff team. Like, and that's if everything goes right for them. I don't think they're going to push for the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think they're in, like, not in the wildest dreams. So I think this roster is anywhere close to the Super Bowl. And so knowing that and knowing that they're, this is probably your last best chance to get something for him. I probably would move him if I could. Yeah. And it's always touchy when you talk about moving those, you know, franchise icons. Yeah. You hate to see it. It's the cold part of the business. It's what made the Patriots so good for so long. They knew when it was time to cut ties. They knew when it was time to get value for those players that you loved. It's it's hard. You hate to see it, but Julio's not going to be there forever. In two years from now, he could be retired. Yep, You could get nothing for him. So if you can get value for him and kickstart this inevitable rebuild that is coming quickly... You have to. And one thing I think is worth mentioning, and again, I wrote about this a little bit, but the fact that Arthur Smith is the offensive play caller and then uh, Dean Pease is the defensive player caller makes them very interesting in the draft overall. Maybe not at four, just because I think at this point we kind of have an idea of what's going to probably go down at four. But uh, Dean Pease in Tennessee, like a lot of his pressure packages was built on the defensive backs actually blitzing. So even though they had – like they – like in terms of needs, they need a, they need a pass rush, like period. Like they need an edge rusher, they need cornerbacks, they need safeties. And then on offense, they basically need everything in terms of supporting cast wide receiver. Maybe not quite so much. If you believe Julio can get back to where he was, 
But on defense, like what's interesting is like what they actually look to grab in terms of their defensive backs might not be what everybody expects because Dean Pease might want guys who can blitz. The draft starts in Atlanta. Yeah. And I I have gone in so many different directions when I've gotten to them. I've gone quarterback. I've gone tight end. I've gone pass rusher. I've gone trade down and I've taken safety linebacker. They could just go in a lot of different ways. One team that I think is actually another team that can kind of go in a lot of different ways. Uh, And you and I both kind of agree on them. I have them at 21. You have them at 20 is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the best course of action for them is to do what they can to get a quarterback. If, if there's a chance that they could get one. Um, And that's a team that if they could get Mac Jones, I actually can see why Mac Jones would make sense for them. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to grab a running back or a linebacker. I think they're going to grab a low impact position that can step in right away because I think they want Ben Roethlisberger's retirement tour to look okay. I tend to agree. And I think that's fine to be honest. I mean, I hope they do it. They're not going to fix this in one draft. No. I mean, even if they get a quarterback, whoever that quarterback is wouldn't be coming into a good situation, even if they decided to start him over Big Ben, which wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. But there's problems on the offensive line. You just lost you know, one of your key offensive players. You like the receiving core, but you've got some holes on defense. I think this year is about supporting Big Ben and kind of rebuilding that infrastructure. And their team, to me, that basically outside of the receiving core and their safety, like their safeties, I think that they need basically a little bit of everything. Um, they could obviously quarterback. We just touched on running back. I think their offensive line is there's questions. Like there's definitely questions. Uh, the defensive line is pretty old. Like the core pieces are pretty old. Now that they had, now that they lost Bud Dupree, and again, I think Bud Dupree was a good fit for them. I don't think necessarily a Bud Dupree. And you and I disagree on this. We've talked about this. I don't necessarily think that Bud Dupree is such a difference maker that losing him in and of itself cripples them, but I don't necessarily think that they have another complimentary edge rusher across from TJ Watt. So I do think that they could take a guy there to be like for them, like Aziz Ojulari makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I would say Jalen Phillips could make sense for them if he somehow falls to that far. Um, and then I think their cornerback situation again, I like Cameron Sutton quite a bit. Um, I think Joe Hayden's kind of old. Um, he's playing okay, but he's 30. I want to say he's 32. Yeah. He's going to be 32 this, like before the season starts. So you're, you're kind of, this is like a last hurrah for a lot of this roster. I think. No. Yeah. I definitely agree. I don't like their corner situation, their offensive line. You know, we've seen it kind of deteriorate with retirements Big Ben is obviously old, and I think a lot of people are just waiting for him to retire. Steelers fans are just praying for him to be gone at this point, it almost feels like. But so many of those faces have been around, they're just about done. And I do like some of their up-and-coming players. I think, obviously, Watt is a star. I love Devin Bush. Is a star. I love Devin Bush. They have good players still, but they got to – they got to prepare for that next wave and opening that next Super Bowl window. So my next team is the Giants. You're actually, uh, you actually have the Giants below the Steelers. Um, Again, we're still ba- same ballpark. What do you, what do you see as kind of like the big issues with the Giants? 
quarterback. <laughs> I, I like everything they've built around him. Same. But this has to be the year that Danny Dimes takes that step and shows something as a passer. Um, outside of that, I still have questions with their front seven in terms of their pass rush. I would like to see them add, you know, that legitimate edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Because they they really utilized Leonard Williams last year. I think they utilized him well. I like their defensive line overall, but they don't have that bendy outside pass rusher. And I think having that guy would do a lot for this team. I do too. They also, I think they're pretty middle of the road in terms of linebacker. I mean, who's the big difference maker there? Yeah. I mean, I think Blake Martinez is better than he, I, I think Blake Martinez is better than his worst moments with the Packers but I don't necessarily think you want him as your best linebacker. Uh, and I, and I, I agree with you. I think the fact that they are so dependent on Daniel Jones, taking that step to be relevant could blow up in their face. Um, this is another team where I think if things go off the rails, I think Dave Gettleman is fired after this year. Um, and I think that they end up looking for another guy to replace Jones after his rookie contract. Um, I do think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of parallels between them and the Broncos in terms of, they built the infrastructure around them. There's a couple of questions. And I do think, like you said, I think edge rusher is definitely something that would really help their defense. I think Gettleman being Gettleman, he may very well go receiver. I could see them wanting to take a receiver here uh, in the first round. I don't necessarily know if that's the way to go. I think you would be better served taking receiver in the second, taking an edge rusher in the first. But I do think that those are kind of like the two positions to me that kind of jump out as like what they're probably going to see if they can do. Um, linebacker and then offensive line. I think their, their offensive line is better. It's better than it gets credit for, because I think that Andrew Thomas will take a step up in his, his second season. And I do think Matt Pert was decent as a, as a rookie. And I think he might be a guy. Uh, so kind of, kind of moving up a little bit. I want to talk about the next couple teams. And these are the teams that are kind of like right around the playoff bubble. Um, I think Arizona is basically in a make or break year. And I think they approach this, this off season in like a make or break year type of fashion. They, they signed JJ Watt. They went and got AJ green. I don't know if either one of those guys, I, I think Watt might, but I don't know necessarily if those guys are going to make a huge difference. Um, that's why I have them at 16. You have them at 13. Um, are, are you higher on their moves or do you just think like the overall roster is kind of the thing? Cause I know Kyler Murray, I I'm very conflicted with Kyler Murray because his best moments are really exciting. Uh, but I think his height actually does hurt more than his biggest fans will tell you just because I do think that he doesn't attack the middle of the field as well as he could if he was taller. No, I'd agree with that. I, I think he is limited and there's a reason that that, you know, age old quarterback height narrative exists because it matters to a degree. I mean, you can scheme around it playing from the shotgun, but there are times where you won't always be able to see over that six, five lineman in front of you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think he's a really good quarterback. That's part of why I've got them rated so high. Yeah. I really like Kyler Murray. I really like their offensive weapons. I like parts of their offensive line. I think they could stand to improve it, but I really like the addition of Rodney Hudson in the offseason. I do too. Um, obviously, I like Watt if healthy. I think he's still got something in, in the tank. They're getting Chandler Jones back this year. Yep. You look to see what Isaiah Simmons is going to turn into. I'm not exactly sure what he'll be, but I know I like the talent. Mm-hmm. 
And I like parts of their secondary with Buda Baker and Byron Murphy. And even now that they've lost Patrick Peterson, they replaced him with Malcolm Butler. So, I mean, there's still something there. Mm-hmm. So overall, I just like the roster. I think this is a good roster that will be elevated by a very good quarterback. I think that's fair. Uh, the big the big questions I have for them is just Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, they're Mel, like I'm not as high on Malcolm Butler, and I think the injury questions hanging over them is kind of a thing. Uh, and I just think the NFC West is kind of a murder show. Uh, but again, like I wouldn't be surprised if they make it in the playoffs, especially like I am higher on Isaiah Simmons than a lot of people. He was just drinking from a fire hose last year. He just they they tried to get him to learn a lot of different things, and that's like how we all kind of want him to develop into the kind of like hybrid that he could be but no preseason or like no real preseason COVID impacted training camp, OTAs, all that stuff. And so it was just, it was hard for him to kind of come along now that he's had a year. I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic. And if he can make the jump that I kind of hope he can, I could definitely see them being a playoff team. Yeah. And one thing you touched on there, I agree with you. I think their division is really difficult. I have them 13th overall, but I have them fourth in their division. And part of that is I don't necessarily trust their coaching staff. Yeah. I I don't love Kingsbury at all. I don't think he's really brought a lot to what they do schematically. I mean, you don't feel like he's out coaching anyone, scheming this offense. I feel like it's just driven by talent. And, you know, the ability, ability to develop those players like Isaiah Simmons, you know, you don't want them to feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. You have to bring those guys along. I mean, he was someone you didn't know exactly what he was coming out of college, whether it was a nickel or a linebacker or safety. He didn't really have a fit. And if you're trying to make him everything all at once, no doubt it's going to feel like he can't do anything. He he hasn't learned anything. He's learned everything. And he can't do that, especially in a crazy year like last year. So I I think with their older players, this feels like a now or never kind of season yeah. for this regime. You know, you brought in Malcolm Butler, JJ Watt, you're banking on some injury luck with your older guys. Cause you have to, because if you don't make the playoffs this year, I don't know if they'll be back. Same. Uh, and that's, I'm curious to see if Steve Klein survives the year. I do think that if they fail to make the playoffs, I do think Cliff Kingsbury's out. Um, but Steve Kime has like basically survived through all this. So like, I, I don't know if he will, I don't know if he should, um, he's collected pieces. So like you can argue that he's done an okay job, but again, like they're two years removed from being one of the worst rosters of football also. So I could kind of go either way with him. Um, I think it's going to be interesting though. Cause again, I think the NFC West is the best division in football. And I think it has been for a couple of years, but I don't think it's gone weaker unless like injuries strike. Um, one other division. And this is, this is one area where I think you and I split apart a little bit. Um, I think the AFC, the AFC East to me is sneaky. Good. Um, obviously you have the jets at the bottom, but then Miami, uh, new England and Buffalo. Um, I am a little bit higher on Miami and new England. Um, you, I have Miami at 15, new England at 13. You have new England at 19, Miami at 18. But again, we're, we're picking nits. Like we're pretty close. Uh, the one thing I think is interesting is that you have them flipped. So I, I am higher on New England right now than I am Miami. Um, and you're higher on Miami than you are New England. Um, my my argument is just that I, I feel better about Cam Newton being what he is and taking a step forward with like a full offseason 
Uh, and I also think Bill Belichick is going to get more out of his roster than I think Brian Flores is going to get out of his. But again, injury luck is going to play a big role in it. Um, and I think what they do in the draft is going to be, it's, it's going to be really interesting. This is, these are two teams that I'm really, really curious because Miami, honestly, Miami's approach to the draft and the way they've collected picks. I don't think there's been a GM I've loved more in terms of like the process than Chris Greer. Yeah, this rebuild has gone really, really well for the Dolphins. Not just in a way they've acquired draft picks and fleeced the Texans and turned that into eight more first-round picks, but just the way it's been handled. I mean, I think Brian Flores has gotten the absolute most out of what I still think is a fairly limited roster in terms of talent. I think they're just kind of okay in most places, and I think in some places that might be generous. Mm -hmm. But they were a 10-win team last year. So I think in terms of establishing a culture, establishing a system, creating a defense and maximizing talent, this regime has done an extremely good job. But I just don't buy into their overall talent level at this point, which is why I have them kind of middle of the road. I think they benefited from a favorable schedule last year, getting that last place schedule. And last year, I compared them a lot to the Bears. I really like their defense. I was shaky on their quarterback situation. I know everyone was, you know, hi, I'm Tua coming out, myself included. He didn't really impress as a rookie, which was surprising to me because I thought I had some question with his ability to make those tight NFL throws, but I thought he was fairly NFL ready compared to a guy like Justin Herbert. Same. Do you, with that, are you optimistic that Tua can kind of, because and I, we're not, neither one of us get to see like his recovery part of that. So like that part of it can, could be a factor. The fact that he had the hip and he had to come back. I was very high on Tua. Like Tua was my QB one, uh, leading through the process. And obviously like I'm, I missed on Herbert. Um, I'm still optimistic on Tua. I just, I haven't seen enough to say that, like that he's going to definitely be better than the Patriots. And I think he needs to be, I think he needs to take a real jump for them to pass the Patriots. I'm still in on Tua. I still have faith in his ability. I still have faith in his talent. Quarterback is such a cerebral position and in a year with no training camp, no preseason, it was a difficult year, even brought along slowly with Ryan Fitzpatrick as that bridge guy. Mm-hmm. I still want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think he's a really talented player. That being said, last year was kind of the embodiment of all my fears of Tua. Yeah. And it's kind of the reason I compared him to Marcus Mariota, which wasn't the most favorable comp, but it was a lot of the same fears. You know, can he make those NFL throws? Because just like Mariota, he was throwing to guys who were wide open. It felt like, you know, the talent around him, the scheme in place, it made it so easy. And all his throws looked great. He's very accurate. He got into the NFL, situations aren't as good. The coaching offensively is different. How is he going to adjust? Mm-hmm. Last year, it was not a great adjustment. So, you know, year two, we'll see. I still have faith. But all of my concerns were kind of highlighted in year one. And and to your point about the the overall talent level, the uh, the well, the, the whole roster, uh, while I have them at 15, they have more needs than just about every other team around them on my post. Uh, I see wide receiver as a question mark just because I do think that they could benefit from having a true separator. Um, they have Will Fuller, who's a vertical guy. They have Parker, who's like a jump ball guy. They don't necessarily have a guy who can really make the most underneath. 
And I think that they could use that. That would really help Tua. I also think their interior offensive line, the edge group is kind of wanting. They don't really have a great running back. Um, I think Mike Gesicki is good, but they could use another tight end. Uh, linebackers, a question mark. Offensive tackle, they have two tackles. They drafted them last year. Austin Jackson was pretty rough as a rookie. Uh, he was a Austin Jackson was low-key a big reason why the Broncos were able to beat them, just because he was so bad. Uh, so if, if it, that's, it makes them very intriguing at six, because I do think that if in a, like in a galaxy brain type of move, they could trade down again and play gatekeeper for quarterback, but they also could really use Panay Sewell or they really could use like a Jamar chase there. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I anticipate. If not one of the receivers like Jamar chase or even Jalen Waddle, who's my wide yeah. receiver one, I could see them going with Kyle Pitts, who I think is going to be a really special prospect. But that's the one thing I'll say about this rebuild that I haven't loved. They've acquired a lot of really good draft capital. I don't think they've spent it that well. I I think they I think I'm conflicted on it because I like some of their picks. I don't like all their picks. I liked Austin Jackson, but I knew that Austin Jackson was gonna be pretty rough as a rookie. And then he's pretty rough as a rookie. Um so like it's it's kinda like what do you do with him from here? Um, and I haven't studied his rookie tape. I just know, like, based on, like, watching, leading up to the Broncos game and then watching the Broncos game, he was rough. Like, he was very rough. Uh, and I, I like what they did at right tackle uh, with Hunt. But mm-hmm. but I don't know necessarily if you're not better off moving Hunt inside and getting a better protector for Tua's blind side. Right. I mean, I think that's the big thing. On the blind side, you kind of expose Hunt, or... Tua with Hunt's weaknesses there. Yep. He isn't this super fluid lockdown pass blocker. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, that physical kind of bully who can pass block. I like him as a tackle, but I don't love him as that blindside tackle. Uh, but, and then, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I could see him being moved inside. And if you can get one of those top tackles, you feel good about that because he's going to push people around. I like their cornerback group a lot. Um, I, and I do think that Brian Flores follows the Bill Belichick model of coverage before pass rush. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they were able to kind of deal with the fact that they didn't have a lot of talent in their front. Their front. Uh, but I think in an ideal world, an edge would really, really help the defense. They were really, really reliant on pa- uh, blitzing last year. And that was another thing that kind of left them exposed once teams started to catch on to the fact that they were going to be, they were going to be running a lot of cover zero and trying to send people. Yeah, and I don't think their pieces in the front seven, including their linebackers, are that great because they lost Kyle Van Noy. So now you're rolling in with Andrew Van Ginkle, which isn't ideal. Uh, They actually signed McKinney from the Texans to play inside linebacker, which I'd forgotten. So Texans are worse than I thought, and Dolphins are maybe a little bit better. But still, if that's your primary piece, your best player in your front seven, that's not good enough. You got problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're kind of in the playoff teams. Um, and so there's a couple of these teams that we're kind of, we're kind of, we see the playoff teams a little bit differently. So I want to touch on those first. And then I kind of want to go over kind of like the overall playoff teams that we see. The one that I know that we should talk about is Dallas, just because you are much lower on Dallas than I am. You have them at 22. I have them at 10. Uh, I am very optimistic in Doc, Dak Prescott's recovery. 
I also think that their defensive coordinator situation last year was about as bad as it gets. Um, Mike Nolan basically proved that he, the league passed him by as a play caller. Um, and I think that that was really, really evident really early on and never got better. Um, I am not necessarily sold that they fixed that, but I think that they, even if they creep back towards like something close to average, I think the offense, if Prescott's healthy, is going to be good enough that in the NFC East, they're going to be a playoff team. See, I agree with you for the most part. I like their offense. I, I'm high on Dak Prescott. I know there's a large population of Cowboys people who wanted to move on from Dak Prescott, didn't want to pay him that big, big salary. You got to pay franchise quarterbacks, and that's what Dak Prescott's proven to be. He was on pace to throw for like 6,000 yards last year before getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So you got the quarterback, you got the weapons. I have a little bit of question in terms of the offensive line, which I haven't said in like a decade, it feels like. Yeah. But Zach Martin's getting a little bit older now. Tyron Smith's getting a little bit older now. I feel like I haven't watched the tape in depth, but I feel like Tyler Bietis, their center, he played well as a rookie after having a really rough injury plague senior year. But, you know, that's a question mark to me still. Mm-hmm. And then I look on the other side of the ball and I see a lot of question marks. And that's fair. I, I don't really love anyone in their defensive line outside of Demarcus Lawrence. Yep. I mean, nothing about Tristan Hill or Nevin Gallimore. None of these guys really inspire confidence. And then I look at their linebackers. They've had injuries. They've been up and down. How much do you trust that group? Even though I like the talent there, if, I haven't seen the consistency. They haven't put it all together there. Jalen Smith has never been that guy we wanted him to be out of college. He's never been that prospect he could have been if not for that injury. He's come come a long way since then, but is he going to be the star of your defense? I have questions. I'm not totally sold there. I think it's a solid duo, though. I think they can be solid to above average if things go well for them. But then I look at the back group, I'm not sold on this either. You brought in Keanu Neal. I think that's a good addition. But your corner room is Jordan Lewis. It's CJ Goodwin. I I don't love that back seven. And in terms of the draft, that's actually, it could really benefit the Broncos that their defense is so clearly bad. Uh, just because Dallas looks, it almost looks like a foregone conclusion that Dallas is going to take either JC Horner, Patrick Sertan at 10. Uh, so in my mind, even if five quarterbacks go in the top eight, and I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say five quarterbacks go in the top eight and the Broncos really want to trade down from nine. The fact that Sertan and Horn, someone may very well want to try and jump Dallas for one of them. I think that that could be like a low key big deal. Um, But yeah, I agree. I think, Again, I think the defensive line, the edge group, the cornerback group, the safety, and then the offensive line depth, like all those are needs. Uh, Just because, like you said, Smith is older and he's been hurt. Martin's getting older. And then the other side of the line is there's some question marks. Their offensive line was really banged up last year as well, and it really exposed their depth. Uh, And then on defense, basically, like you're really right now, they're counting on Dan Quinn basically fixing things. And maybe he does. You know, maybe like just having a competent defensive coordinator is the difference. But. For them to really move, even for me, like I have them at 10 and it's, I feel comfortable with them at 10 on the idea that Prescott being healthy is going to make just that big a difference for them. But for them to really be a real contender and not just like a wannabe contender, 
Dan Quinn needs to get that defense to at least average. Yeah, and we'll see if he can do that. It's kind of one of those things I need to see it to believe it. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Uh, another team that you and I are really far apart on, and this, and again, this is one I think we have to talk about. I really didn't realize how much I liked the Chargers until I had to make this list. I have them at 11. I feel like I'm crazy, but I believe in Justin Herbert. Uh, I think that the big concern I had about Justin Herbert going into this, uh, this off season was the fact that like he was really good under pressure last year. There's like, that's not a sticky stat. Like generally when a quarterback is really good under pressure, it's going to come down the next year. So like, you can't count on that. And so like the first thing you wanted to see is that the chargers were going to fix their offensive line. I thought they invested dollars wisely to try and fix their offensive line. I really like the Lindsley signing. I think that that could make a huge difference for a young quarterback. Um, I think even just relative health, I do think that they still need pieces. I don't like Trey Pipkins that much. I think he's a guy. Um, so they definitely do need help there, but I think their offensive line is kind of moved towards average. Um, and I think that if they have a little bit more health luck on defense, if they get Derwin James back and again, I want to throw this out there because everyone is stuck on like Derwin James when he's been healthy has been a hall of fame type of player. Like he's looked like a hall of famer. He's been hurt two of the last three years. So it might be optimistic to hope that he's going to be back and be a hall of fame player again for the whole season. Um, but right now I'm counting on that. And I think that if he comes back, if Bose is healthy, I like the pieces and I think Staley's going to make that defense pretty damn good. I just, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think I'm crazy but I, I couldn't put them down below anybody. I think you're a little bit crazy. And so for so me, just for the record, you have them at 20, you have them at 23. So me and that, like I have Dallas in LAC 10 and 11. You have Dallas at 22 and LAC at 23. So tell me why I'm crazy though. It's the trenches, man. They're not good in the trenches. And I agree signing Corey Lindsley. That was a great addition. I love him and Bulaga as two of their starters. But they got three more starters who aren't good. You can't have two good starters and have a good offensive line. That's fair. You have to be good across the board. That's fair. So even though I like Herbert, I like their playmakers, I don't trust that offense at all because they can't block. Mm -hmm. And you know, we can revisit this after the draft. It could be a very different conversation. But right now, I can't buy into it. And it's the same on the defensive side of the ball. I don't love what they have up front. I love Bosa when he's healthy. And I really like Linval Joseph, who's getting a little bit older, I believe. He is yeah. yep. turning 33 this year. So I'm pretty sure he opted out last year. You don't know exactly what kind of shape he's going to be in, what kind of player he's going to be getting a little bit older. Outside of that, their defensive line, not 100% sold on Justin Jones. I like Jerry Tillery, but I don't think he's going to be a great pass rusher. I don't know if that's the best scheme fit for him as a, you know, in that kind of mold, rushing the passer. I don't know exactly what he is, where he fits, what he's going to look like. That's fair. So I have questions there. Even though I liked him as a prospect, I just I need to figure out how they're going to use him exactly. Linebackers. Uh I mean, I like Kenneth Murray between the tackles, but other than that, I don't really like what they have. And then in the secondary, who are their corners? They have a turning 32-year-old Harris in the nickel, which I know you're very familiar with. I am. Very good player. I'm high there. 
But who are, who are the outside corners on this team? Uh, and that, that to me is one of the reasons that's like a faith in Staley type of thing for me. And that's one of the reasons why I have, I still have them there. I do have corner as their number one need. I have IOL and LT as their next two needs. Uh, so I do, I do agree with you on this. I'm just, I think that Staley will make the cornerback situation good enough. Whereas last year, I just don't think they did. Um, part of it was, I think that Harris was hurt. Derwin James is hurt. And I think that hurt the whole entire secondary. Um, if either one of them are healthy for the whole year and granted, I think Harris is slowing down a little bit too, but if, but if those guys are healthy this year, I think Staley can kind of like bandaid the rest of it enough. I think they will be exposed by the good passing teams, but I do think that they will be competent. And I think in the AFC West, the Raiders took a big step back. The Broncos right now look like a big question mark in my mind. Uh, because you and I essentially have the Broncos and the Chargers flipped. Like you and I, that, 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 that is kind of part of it. Not exactly, but it's really close. Um, but I think that the Chargers at least have a quarterback that I feel really confident in. And I think that that might be the difference in the AFC West. And so the big thing with that is that I think if Justin Herbert takes a second year jump that you kind of expect these guys to take, like, I think that'll cover up a lot of sins. It could, but it has to is the thing if it doesn't there's a lot of problems on this team you're putting an awful lot on a second year quarterback shoulders to make up for a bad offensive line and a bad defensive line and a bad linebacker core and a bad secondary and an an experienced coaching staff and you know this is one of those things where he was a great defensive coordinator is he going to be a great head coach will he still manage the defense how involved is he going to be there managing all these new responsibilities he's only like 35 years old I just, there's a lot of questions there and it makes Herbert have to be great. And I think he can be, he showed flashes of that last year, but if he's not, if he just takes a little bit of a step back, this team is awful. And that's fair. I am just really optimistic on Herbert now that I've watched him. Um, And again, I'm probably crazy. I know when people see this post, that is going to probably be the number one reaction is people getting mad about the chargers post. And when that happens, I will let you know, and you and I can laugh about it because I am foreseeing that happening. See, I would rather be in Denver's situation where... Oh, not me. The- I would rather have the quarterback and try and fix the rest of it. I hate... Not having a quarterback sucks. Oh, no, trust me. I'm a Bucks fan. It's been my whole life. But you know you can count on everything else. You like the offensive line. You like the pass catchers. You have a good running back situation. So even if the quarterback isn't good, the team is still okay. You look on the other side, you trust the defense. You you have a defensive-minded head coach who's proven to be, you know, I think pretty good at what he does. I like a lot of pieces there. I mean, if the quarterback is good, it's a bonus. Mm -hmm. You know, you know you're going to be in good shape. If the quarterback is good for the Chargers, they could still be terrible. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, so the other team in the playoff bubble that you and I are really far apart on is Tennessee. Um, and you're higher on them than me. So, uh, I am not, I am really low on Tennessee because I just think all their losses this year is really going to catch up to them. I think you and I talked about this last time we spoke, but let me know, like, what, what do you think? For me, it's the defense. I like what they have on defense in Tennessee. I'm really high on Jeffrey Simmons. I like Harold Landry. I like Bud Dupree. I 
don't know if I like their cornerback situation, but I think they have a really strong front seven. On the other side of the ball, you got Derrick Henry. Does anything else even matter? You can just run for 3,000 yards and allow 10 points a game, and you're good. This is old-fashioned Eddie George-type football in Tennessee, which I love. I'm all about that old man football. So, I mean, I think Tannehill is fine. I don't love Tannehill. I think he's capable. I think he's competent. And I think that's all he has to be. You know, you've got A.J. Brown who makes plays. And it's just kind of a ground-and-pound, old-school, defensive, gritty football team. And I think that's good enough to win the division. And so, and that's the the reasons that I think I'm far apart from you on that is I I have the same questions about the cornerbacks. Cornerback for me was their number one need. Uh, the problem I have is you and I do not agree on Bud Dupree. I'm not high on him at all. Uh, and again, I, I very well could be wrong, but I just, I don't see a difference maker. And I think Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons need somebody else to help them. I don't think Simmons is going to be enough. And I I like Simmons a lot, but I just don't think he's going to be enough to carry that pass rush to cover up for the cornerback situation. And then the fact that they lost Corey Davis, John Smith, Malcolm Butler, Desmond King, and uh, Adore Jackson, I think that's just going to catch up to him, especially when you consider the fact that they also lost Arthur Smith. Because we haven't seen Ryan Tannehill be what he's been the last two years without Arthur Smith. Um, And so my, my, my fear for them not for the Broncos, because I think this will help them. I think without Arthur Smith, I think we see a similar decline on offense that we saw last year when Tennessee lost Dean Pease. Um, and again, I might be wrong, but I think if that happens, I think they're a dumpster fire. I am concerned about the offense because nothing outside of Henry is great. Yeah, I like A.J. Brown, but I don't think that passing game is going to be great. I don't think the offensive line is great. They're getting Taylor Lewan back this year, which will help, but I don't think it's a great unit. We need to talk about Isaiah Wilson. Just the fact that like they took that first round pick last year. And again, I'm not, I, I have no idea what's actually going on with him. I'm not trying to judge him for that, but in terms of for the Titans, like they basically just set that pick on fire. Like they didn't get anything out of him and then they cut Dennis Kelly. So like that right tackle situation is a glaring need right now. And the worst part about it, I mean, aside from all the things that's going on with Wilson itself, which is its own bag of issues and a personal level of really bad, but from a football perspective, they did it for a player who wasn't even good. Like, it's not like Wilson was this, you know, bona fide top 15 player who slid to them. He wasn't even a top 50 prospect for me. Same. He was a project. Yeah. And you took him in the first round and he had massive character concerns. I didn't, it makes no sense to me. This is one of the worst football first round picks we'll ever see. Yeah. And that's, I I think that, that because they did that, what ends up happening is they basically have now pigeonholed themselves into a situation where they're going to have to take a tackle somewhere quickly. Uh, either in the first round or the second round, they basically have to take a tackle. And again, this draft is very good at tackle. So like they could fix that issue and the offense could look a lot better knowing that if your offensive line can solidify you can rely on Henry to carry that a little bit and then Brown and then just the complimentary pieces. I just, I think that they spent enough money on Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and then now Bud Dupree that it's going to be tough to, to really fix anything that they can't fix in the draft. And I just have so many questions about that roster. Um, 
granted the AFC South, like we, we were talking about earlier, I think the AFC South is so weak that they could still surprise. But I don't think that, like, I think even in the most optimistic scenario, I don't think that they're a real contender. I think they're a team that makes the playoffs and gets washed out really quickly. I don't know if they'll win a playoff game, but I still like them getting to the playoffs just because what I've talked about with great strengths win yeah. you games. And I still think that front seven is a great strength. And I, I agree m- more with you on Bud Dupree than I disagree. I don't think he's an elite player. But when all your players are really good, yeah, that makes a great unit overall. And that's kind of similar how the Bucks are built. By himself, Shaq Barrett is not an elite pass rusher. Jason Pierre-Paul is not an elite pass rusher. You have Todd Bowles. And Dominic Sue is not an elite defensive tackle. But you're strong everywhere in the unit. They make each other better. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's going to be similar for Tennessee this year. Well, and the thing to the Bucks, and we'll get to them you know, in depth in a second, but the thing with the Bucks that I really like that does make a difference for them that I don't think happens with Tennessee, and this is the Dean Pease factor. Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive play callers in football. I know he's had some bad moments, and I get that. Like, I've heard, I've saw it, you know. But but he puts his players in a situation to succeed, and he isolates his pass rushers in a way that they can win. Um, and I, you, Broncos fans saw it firsthand with the way that they isolated and just completely effing wrecked Lloyd Cushenberry. Yeah. Todd Bowles is the best coach on the Bucks staff. And he's, I think he's probably better than any coach on the Titan staff. Like, I don't think Variable's a very good coach. But that's, you know, that's a difference they have. And that's why I have one at the bottom of my top 10 and one at the top. So one team that we haven't talked about yet that I think some fans will probably disagree with both of us on is New Orleans. Everybody saw the fact that New Orleans was like a bajillion dollars over the cap and thought that they were just going to have to burn the whole thing down. And I think they came out of it about as good as you can, considering that they lost Drew Brees. And granted, Drew Brees probably needed to retire. But essentially, like they're replacing a Hall of Fame quarterback that changes the whole locker room, changes everything. You don't really know who's starting yet. It's either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. But even after losing the pieces that they lost, I, I, I like this roster. I think that they're a pretty decent roster in most of the spots. And I think they have, the fact that they have Sean Payton covers up for a lot of the issues. Yeah, they came out of it a lot better than I wanted them to as a Bucks Same. fan. Like that roster is still standing and I don't like it. And honestly, I think they're going to be more dangerous on offense this year because I, you know, I hate to say this about an all-time great quarterback, but he was at the end of the career, and he was kind of dead weight in a lot of ways. He was. Like, he could not throw the ball downfield. Couldn't. And they had this whole issue of, like, and again, this happened in the playoffs. I thought they could, they should have pulled him, honestly. The fact they didn't was, like, a whole, like, Drew Brees, is this is probably his last game, we can't pull him type of thing. But it was, like, Drew Brees probably cost them a real chance at really pushing for the Super Bowl. Like, that roster was Super Bowl ready outside of quarterback last year, in my mind. Um, now, now that they've cut some players, uh, I do think that they could use a tight end. I do think that they could use a receiver. I do think that they could chase defensive line, cornerback, safety, and then potentially quarterback again if somebody falls. Um, the big concern I have with New Orleans, and this is like, it's it's hard to really weigh this appropriately in a power rankings, but they were one of the healthier teams in football last year. Um, they lost 41 games to injury uh, in terms of like football outsiders adjusted game lost. So that means that they're probably going to be more banged up this year 
Um, you can't really count on that in a ranking, but it's just something that I do think is worth noting just because I think the depth is going to be tested more this season. Yeah, I mean, there's truth to that. I didn't take it into my consideration at all. But one thing I will disagree with, with what you'd said, yeah, I don't think tight end's going to be that big of a need for them. Because I was really high on Adam Troutman coming into last year. Ah, uh, okay. I was. I thought he was okay. I I wasn't high on him. See, he was he was raw coming from a smaller school, and but he could block the snot out of you. He has the athletic ability. I think he's going to be a breakout star this year. He's going to be that surprise fantasy player that you snatch him in that last round, and he's going to make you look good. Who do you think ends up being their starting quarterback? I think it should be Jameis. And I know, you know, people say a little homerism here, which, you know, I don't even like Jameis, but that's not here nor there. I think he's a decent enough quarterback. You know what the flaws are. You know what the warts are. And that's, you know, mostly what people focus on. But on the other side of things, the man threw for 5,000 yards and 30-some touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Like, there is a lot of good with that really, really ugly. And... I think Taysom Hill is mostly just ugly. So I, the, the problem I have with Taysom Hill is I think unless he takes some sort of step as a quarter, as an actual passer, the offense that you would run with him is limited. And I think you can win games with it, but I don't think you're going to be able to win games consistently against other good teams with it. And I think Jameis in an ideal world, he at least lifts your passing offense enough that you can contend it wouldn't surprise me if they do some sort of rotating with the two of them. I, Sean Payton might be the only coach in football that I feel really confident that that can happen without it becoming a giant controversy. If they start to lose games, I definitely think it might become one. Um, what's interesting about that situation to me is both those guys and their quarterback three are all seeing their contracts expire after this year. I don't know if you've thought about this. Um, so I'm just, I might be putting you on the spot. I think they're going to be the destination that picks up Russell Wilson after this year. I think Russell Wilson's going to play in Seattle. I think it's going to turn into a messy divorce after 2021. And I think the Saints are going to swoop in and steal him. Joe, don't put that under the universe. Nobody <laughs> wants that. Well, with it, that offensive line and Michael Thomas, nobody wants to see that. I think Russell Wilson wants to see it. No, nobody can't. Nobody asked Russell Wilson what he wants. I think Sierra would want to see it. No, no, no one even knows who Sierra is. She's some kind of singer. Nobody really knows for sure. That's fair. Uh, so a couple other teams, kind of before we get into the heavyweights, because I want to touch on a couple of these playoff teams that I I'm really high on. I think people are sleeping on Baltimore just because of the questions about Lamar Jackson's passing. But I liked what Baltimore did. Um, and Baltimore did the same thing that they usually do is like they let edge rushers go. They, but the thing is they, uh, they kept uh Bowser and honestly, I think he might low key be the best of those edge rushers that they had last year. I maybe from a pure pass rush perspective, I think he's always had that ability, mm -hmm. but he's not a full-time player to me. He is kind of a third down guy. You unleash the hounds and he can get to the quarterback some. I still think edge rusher is a big problem in Baltimore. And that's why I have them outside my top 10. Well, and that's, I think edge is definitely a need for them. Um, and I do think that they will probably draft one. I also think that they could definitely use another defensive lineman. And obviously it's weird putting receiver as a need for them because it's an obvious need, but you wonder how much 
like you you kind of wonder and again this is one of the reasons why i think all the premier free agents didn't want to sign there you don't go to baltimore to put up 100 catches in 1500 yards like you're, it's not going to happen so how much is receiver a real need if that's not going to be a thing but i do think on defense i agree with you i do think they need more of a pass rush i do think part of that is mitigated by the fact that wink martindale blitzes so fucking much like most blitz heavy defense in football they run a lot of dime they run a lot of nickel they and and that's why i like bowser so much bowser's a good pass rusher but he's also really good in coverage um so he gives you that flexibility of you don't really know what he's going to do and he sucks to play against no matter what and i would rather have that guy than overpay for yannick or uh matt judon I guess I've just never been that high on Bowser. I've never been super impressed with him. I mean, there's a reason he was not starting in Baltimore. He was behind those other guys. Yeah. And, you know, in theory, it's always good. You get a guy, you groom him, you bring him along, you develop him. And if there's a place that's going to do that, Baltimore seems like one of those top places who can. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not ready to buy into Tyus Bowser as a legitimate high-end starter. I feel that. Um. One other, I want to throw a caveat out there. Uh, so I do have Baltimore at six right now, and I feel pretty okay with it. I, I went back and forth a little bit between Baltimore and San Francisco. I can't put San Francisco higher until we know what they're doing at quarterback. Uh, I think the Rams are really, really top heavy with the roster. That's why I have them at eight. Um, I think they were really healthy last year. And again, this is a team where they are so shallow behind their starters that I feel kind of like I do have to put a glass ceiling on that because if they lose any of their big pieces, like they're, they're kind of in trouble. Um, but the thing with Baltimore that I like too is the fact that, well, the, the caveat, sorry, the caveat with them is Orlando Brown. If Orlando Brown gets traded, I'm going to probably move them down a little bit because I think Orlando, like their tackle situation is one of the better ones in football. If, if Stanley and Brown are both healthy. And I think it's very apparent once they lost Stanley, what happened to the running game? Um, losing him and then uh, Yonda. And Yonda retired, obviously, before the season started. But but their offensive line declined last year, and I think that that's one of the big low-key things that kind of hurt Lamar Jackson's overall production. If they can kind of get both tackles back and Orlando Brown's happy, I think that that rushing offense is going to be the worst one to face in football again. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what they do. They run the ball. This is a – I mean – Lamar Jackson wasn't MVP because he was airing it out like Peyton Manning. It's true. He is a running quarterback who can throw the ball. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. That is a way to win championships. We've seen college teams do it. High school teams do it. It can work in the NFL. You just need to have a better team around them than what I think they currently have. One hypothetical question with Baltimore just before we move on to the heavyweights um, unless there's any other teams you want to bring up that I didn't, I, I'm not trying to gloss over stuff, but just, I'm trying to keep, be, again, be conscious of your time. But, but the question I want to ask you is I asked, uh, on Twitter, I think a week ago, if you were the Broncos, if Lamar Jackson was available for three first round picks, would you do it? Yeah. So would I. Yeah. That I think, poll, I think they could win a championship with Lamar this year. I do too. I, and, and I don't think it's close. Like I, like like I wouldn't hesitate if it was only three first round picks. I have no problem. Um, I, yeah, like obviously you have some concerns about the longevity, but like I expect Lamar Jackson to play until he's at least like 30, 31, 32. And I think by then he'll be a good enough passer that like, you don't have as many concerns about him slowing down. And right now he's one of the most electric threats in football. 
like I don't have an issue with it. And I think that him with the weapons that he would have around him, like chef's kiss, like I would, I would love it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have that many concerns about his longevity because he's not Cam Newton out there running the ball. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't take, take those big, big hits. Like, yeah. you know, Cam initiated those hits and he usually ran linebackers over, but that's still contact. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's, you know, a Michael Vick throwing the ball where, you know, you know, he's a great runner and he has a great arm, but he's not that accurate. No, Lamar Jackson can hurt you with his arm. He will, if you commit to stopping that run, he's going to gash you through the air. So, I mean, you get a 25-year-old MVP quarterback for three first-round picks. How can you say no to that? Well, and the thing is, with the Broncos pieces, you give him Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, and then Noah Fant. Like, all those guys are going to make him right. Like, I love it. Like, I again, like, I know he's not available. I know, like, I, I asked the question thinking about the fact that if Baltimore ends up kind of playing hardball on the contract, like, because he's – he's coming up on a contract extension and like all of a sudden, instead of taking him, they traded him. Yeah. I'd, I'd be on all in on that. Um, so here, here's, what's interesting is kind of similar to the very bottom of the, the, the power rankings. You and I actually agree on the top four. We don't agree on the order, but we have the same four teams. So I'm going to list all four teams and then we'll, we'll kind of work through them. Um, so Tampa Bay, Kansas city, Buffalo and green Bay. Um, those are the four top teams. I think that they're a tier above the rest of these teams. Um, just because I think that these are the four heavyweight rosters right now before the draft. Barring, you know, barring injury, barring whatever. Um, what do you think? Am I am I missing a team? Like, do you have like your fifth or sixth team in this tier? I might consider our fifth team, because we both have the same fifth team. We do. I might consider them in this tier. Okay. And so then let's team- let, okay. let's, let's talk a little bit about Cleveland then. I, they have the trench play, which you know I love. They have maybe the best offensive line in football, one of the best running backs in football. They have Miles Garrett. They might be signing Jadavion Clowney. Yep. You are that strong in the trenches. You're going to be right at the top. I feel that. That's elite strength. I really, really like their offseason too. Um, I thought about moving them up. I am, I'm not, I was a Baker Mayfield guy. Uh, I was really bummed that Baker Mayfield went one because I was praying in 2018 that he was going to fall to the Broncos. Uh, I still am not as high on him as I am on the quarterbacks above. And that's part of why I have him as like the hard cap five. But again, like it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland surprised everybody and made it to the Super Bowl this year right now. Again, you need health, all that stuff. But you're right. They they basically they have answers at all the big questions. And the fact that they went out and signed John Johnson and they got Troy Hill, like those were great moves. Um the mm-hmm. big needs I see on the roster right now is there's a question mark about Grant Delpit because he got hurt. Um I do think that they could use another complimentary pass rusher, but again, if they get Clowney, like that helps them a lot. And I think that they could use a little bit of better defensive line, cornerback play. But like I'm picking nits. Like honestly, this roster is one of the best rosters in football. Agreed. And I think for me, I've never been in love with Baker Mayfield. I've been in like with him, but I think he's always going to have kind of a limited ceiling. And I don't think he's going to consistently elevate those around him. Now, luckily for him, everything around him is great. Mm-hmm. You've got 
a great offensive line, a great running back. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. You've got good complimentary receivers. This is a great situation where a good quarterback can lead you to a Super Bowl. And I think the defense is mostly good. I agree. Those are some great signings. I really like John Johnson. Same. I think they could be a little stronger at linebacker. Yeah, definitely. I think they could use a little more a little more firepower on the defensive line, which Clowney will certainly help, particularly in run defense. I think they could use another pass rusher. But overall, I think this is one of the best, most complete rosters in the NFL. Same. And one of the things I think is really interesting for them is they ran nickel 70% of the time last year. Uh, so I like the Troy Hill signing because I think that that's going to push them into more nickel and that'll mitigate a little bit of the linebacker stuff. But I do agree. Like the linebackers are guys, like they're not necessarily difference makers. Um, and I do think part of that might just be like their overall approach is they just don't emphasize off ball linebackers that way. Um, I would definitely, I would like it if they did grab one though. Uh, so, okay. So in terms of the top four though, we, we do not agree on the order at all. Um, so I have as four, I have Green Bay. You have Green Bay as three. I I feel like Green Bay, they're they see their roster differently than the rest of the league. And again, like that might be like, I mean, they're one of the best teams of football, so maybe they're smarter than everybody else. But I don't like their receiving core that much. I think they're very, very reliant on their number one. I think like the fact that they paid Kevin King is a huge issue to me. Like I don't I thought that was dumb. Um, and I think that they could use more help in their pass rush. See, I think they have the talent to be a really good pass rush. They just have to utilize that blitz a little bit more. And with a new defensive staff coming in, I think that could be the case. That's fair. You know, because you got Zadarius Smith, you got Preston Smith, you got Rashawn Gary, and they're not really using them to pressure the quarterback like I think they should. So we'll see what they do this year. I think the talent is there, though. You know, even in the secondary where, you know, I've, everyone talks about Kevin King touchdown before the half in the playoffs. Yeah. But, I mean, you got Jari Alexander. You got Darnell Savage. I think that's a good secondary overall. I do too. Would it be better on that side with, you know, upgrade from Kevin King? Yeah, I think they could go corner in the draft. But, I mean, those other weaknesses you talked about, yeah, the receiver room is just kind of so-so. You can have a so-so receiver room when you have an MVP caliber quarterback. Do you – I don't know if you followed this. Again, I so I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. The whole thing with Aaron Rodgers' contract situation, I – they can – apparently the Packers are able to convert his signing bonus um, and it would create some cap room for them to be able to go out and try and, like, aggressively grab somebody. Uh, but they haven't done it yet. And Aaron Rodgers has kind of like made it clear that he kind of wants them to, um, for him, it would kind of like tie him to the roster. So that's part of it. I, cause I don't think he wants to necessarily get traded and, you know, kudos to him. I can totally understand that. Um, but the fact that they haven't done it, it kind of like, I feel like there's some tension going on between the front office and Rodgers, which probably is fair considering that they traded up to get a quarterback last year. Uh, I feel like this might be a ticking time bomb. I don't know if it's necessarily going to go off this year, but I feel like, again, like it, it, part of me is just hoping that Aaron Rodgers is available because if the Broncos miss on a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers could save the day next year. Am I crazy there? Like, do you think I'm off or like, what, what are you thinking? 
Well, my first thought is who is there to go out and get at this point? I mean, even if they did that, who does Aaron Rodgers want to see them bring in? Like, yeah. who's the difference maker who's still on the market? Well, I mean, he hasn't said. So I, I don't know. Um, I just know that, like, uh, he went on the Pat McAfee show is what I, I want to say. The Pat McAfee, yeah. And I want to say he mentioned the thing with the contract last week. And then I want to say I read a story about an hour before I hopped on with you. Basically that he reiterated what he said is that like, he, he basically said like the ball is in their court. I mean, part of me says if Aaron Rodgers wants to bring in a guy like Antonio Brown or whoever he wants, do it. Absolutely. Make your quarterback happy. There's another part of me that says, look, Aaron Rodgers, it feels like he plays better when he's being disrespected. <laughs> like, you know, everyone said last year, I was starting to fade. The Packers immediately respond by giving him no help. Yeah. What's he do? He comes in to have one of his best seasons ever. So, you know, well, let's bring him back in and let's, let's make him a little more angry. Let's not listen to him on who we want to bring in. Let's poke him with a stick and let's get another MVP season out of him. So, I mean, I don't think it's really going to matter at the end of the day. Aaron Rodgers is going to be great no matter who's there. It feels like he's always angry. It feels like this tension's going to continue to build. And if it blows up, you know, go from there. You have your kind of heir apparent in the wings ready to take over at some point. Do you believe in Jordan Love at all? Um, I think he has the tools. And if he's getting quality coaching and being brought along, I think he can be that guy. I would not feel good about the Packers' playoff chances if you told me he was a starter. You know, I just have to see it. How is he coming along? How is that progression going? I did not like Jordan Love at all, but this is another one of those situations where the fact that he's sitting this long. Like, that's what happened with Aaron Rodgers. Like, when Aaron Rodgers fell to them way back when, and he sat for forever, I think that made a huge difference for him. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, uh, you can never really know, you know, that time being spent, what you pick up. You know, he I don't think he was a first-round player. I think, you know, he was elevated by his physical tools and the position he plays, but he had a lot of warts coming out of college through a lot of interceptions. But, you know, sitting behind Rodgers, mentally taking those reps, picking up those habits, maybe he is a great quarterback. You know, you never really know. Yeah. Uh, so kind of moving, this is where the flip-flop happens is I have Buffalo at three, you have Buffalo at four. Uh, they basically, their off season was basically just bring everybody back. Um, and I thought that was kind of the road to go. Um, I am kind of glad that they overpaid Matt Milano because I was kind of worried the Broncos were going to pay Matt Milano that money. Um, I like him. I don't like him at that cost, but, but I thought for them, it makes sense. They know how he fits. He's a difference maker for them. Uh, I do think that they, I also think that bringing back Levi Wallace was low key. One of the better moves in free agency period this year. Um, he was on a one-year deal, basically cost them nothing. Uh, I do think that both edge and cornerback could use some help, but you have Josh Allen. If Josh Allen's what he was last year, we're picking nits. Yeah, I like, obviously I really like their team. They're my number four team in the league. Mm -hmm. But I think with what they have, they've reached their ceiling last year. Like you said, I don't think their pass rush is good enough to get past the Chiefs. And even if everything goes right for them and Josh Allen has another MVP type year, 
everyone stays healthy. There's a lot of good there. I don't know if I see them getting past the Chiefs, even though I have questions with the Chiefs offensive line still. I don't love the pass rushers. I like the pass rushers. But I don't love the Bills pass rushers where Jerry Hughes is your main guy. I like AJ Epinesa, but I don't really know what he is right now. I know he lost a lot of weight coming out of college. You know, he's kind of a power pass rusher, not that bendy guy. I just don't see a great defensive line there in general. Well, and that's when we're looking at this high too, I think you raised a good point that I hadn't thought about is the fact that the chiefs went out and like, they really invested in their interior offensive line in a way. I feel like that's combating what the bill where the strength of the bills pass rush is. Cause I think Ed Oliver is low key. One of the better pieces. And I think he's a difference maker and they get star low to lay lay back. Um, I think their edge rush is okay. Uh, I don't think it's awful, but I don't think it's on the level. But I think the Chiefs aren't necessarily worried about it. Um, and that honestly, that might end up low-key helping Cleveland. Um, the fact that Cleveland has Miles Garrett could end up being an X-factor in that that matchup if they see each other in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I it, it might come down to health, honestly. Because if the Bills are healthier than the Chiefs or Cleveland at the end, I think that they're going to be the Super Bowl team. But I think in terms of matchups, I agree with you. It's it's hard to see how the Bills are going to topple Kansas City. Uh, moving ahead, and this is we flip flop these two, and I want to talk about a little bit with Tampa Bay why I have them as number two, even though they did just win the Super Bowl. They were the healthiest team in football last year by a country mile. Um, I can't I can't overlook that when they were that much healthier than every other team. Um, the like uh, like. At, for adjusted games lost, uh, they had, I want to say, 25 games lost to injury or like 24.8 or 24 point something. The next closest team was at 40. So it's like they like they were just so, like, and again, almost all of it was Vita. Um, so like everybody else that was significant didn't really get hurt. Um, so again, I'm not saying that they're des- they're definitely going to get hurt this year but it's hard to believe that they're going to be that healthy again. Um, and I think they're good enough that they could probably survive it as long as it's not like, you know, the worst in football. But I do think that will, if it, if it happens at the wrong time, I think that matters, especially when they have some older players on the roster as well. Um, and then, so that's, that's the reason I'm kind of moving them down a little bit. Um, and also, and I know we've said this for the last 10 years now, Tom Brady's like 90 years old. At some point, I feel like he has to like, He's drink. He's getting drunk at the Super Bowl parade now. Like maybe this is it. Maybe he, he's lost his edge. Maybe, but you know, it's one of those things where I think the team is so good. Even if he does drop off, I still think they're the team to beat. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about injuries last year. They weren't as healthy as the the numbers may indicate. Their wide receivers, they were dealing with a lot of injuries all year. Mike Evans played most of the year with a high ankle sprain, and he was really limited. He yeah. just barely squeaked out a 1,000 yards. And part of that is because there's so many targets. But they only went and signed Antonio Brown to begin with because Mike Evans was dealing with like a two-month ankle sprain. And he played through it. And he didn't play great, but he played. Mm-hmm. And Chris Godwin broke his fingers, and he had to have you know screws put in his hand. He played. It just wasn't always great so because they were dealing with those they did get antonio brown so that was a little bit misleading in terms of you know how healthy they were they, they played through it but you know 
in general, I would agree. They were healthy on the offensive line most of the year. Tom Brady stayed healthy, which he gets the ball out so quickly. Probably will be the case, knock on wood. And so with them, what do you see as their biggest needs? In terms of cracking the starting lineup, I don't think they have a huge need right now. I think probably running back in terms of immediate impact. Mm -hmm. It's not the way I would go in the draft. I would kind of prep for that next wave of a title run. Yeah, I'd probably focus more on defensive line. This is probably the last year you're going to see with Indomitian and Sue. Mm -hmm. My top priority would be edge rusher because I think this is probably the last year of Jason Pierre-Paul. So I think kind of getting that next group of guys, letting them be that you know high-quality backup, learn from the veterans, kind of improve the depth and build for the future would be the way I go in terms of need. So we'll see if you know, they go more immediate impact with running back or more my line of thinking. Yeah. I'm really curious with that because I know that they, they kind of were signing running backs. Like, like running backs seemed to be an issue for them the whole time. Like it didn't seem like at any point they Bruce Arians was like super happy about the running back situation. I still don't think he is. I mean, yeah. he went with the hot hand in the playoffs and that was Leonard Fournette and that paid off. That went well, but I think it was week 13, Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch. Mm -hmm. He could not get on the field. Ronald Jones was the best running back on the team for 90% of the year. Ronald Jones can't catch the ball. He is a non-factor in the passing game. Mm -hmm. So I still don't know if there's a running back that Bruce Arians loves on this roster. You're just trying to bring the gang back together. It was good enough. We'll roll with it. Uh, if you had to choose, like, let's say gun to your head, you had to choose one of the three running backs and like, let's say all three are available at your pick. Who are you picking? Are you picking Javante Williams, Najee Harris, or Travis Etienne? It would probably be Najee Harris. I think he's just a great fit for what the Bucks want. That yeah. between the tackles, runner, great in the passing game, great pass blocker. I think he's just everything they want Leonard Fournette to be. Mm -hmm. I agree. I selfishly, I hope you do it because I would not take a running back in the first round, but I could definitely see like, I, I, again, the needs I put down all match up with what you said, like the defensive line. I think they could use essentially depth across the board just because again, it, it'd be smart to plan for the fact that you probably are going to deal with a little bit more injuries this year. Um, they're a team that if, if the opportunity came up, like let's say somebody was and I'll ask you, like, if, if somebody wanted to trade up to 32 to get a fifth-year option, would you be happy with the Bucks trading down to collect more assets? Like, like split it into seconds and thirds? Oh, absolutely. Because I don't think there's a huge drop-off between pick 32 and pick 40. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what y'all do. Because, again, I think with Brady, basically the win, like, they're in, in a similar way, except obviously Tom Brady actually isn't completely washed like Ben. But they're another one of those teams that because – Brady is old, like old, old, like you're, you're kind of fighting this idea. Like, are we just chasing the window for this year, next year, or are we kind of trying to continue to lay foundational pieces to continue going after him? Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see what they do. And I think Jason light could do a pretty good job of this. He's been, he's after drafting a kicker in the second round, he's done a pretty good job. I, I don't know when the light came on, but it's, it definitely seems like the light came on. I think it came on with, the new coaching staff. 
I think there is a lot to be said with the dynamic of head coach and GM in terms of picking players. Yeah. Because drafting with Derek Cutter, it never felt like they were on the same page. Like, what does this coaching staff really want? Oh, we just drafted this great press corner in Carlton Davis, and we're playing him in zone nonstop. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think drafting with Bruce Arians with a more clear vision has really turned this whole franchise around. Both Jason Light's career, Bruce Arians' career, getting that Super Bowl, and guys like Carlton Davis, Vita Vea. These are great players in this Todd Bowles defense. I think Vita Vea would have been solid in any defense because, you know, he's such a great player. Yeah. But, you know, utilizing guys like Ronald Jones, who was not good as a rookie, Carlton Davis, who was not good as a rookie, they have come with this new regime. So then the last team, uh, I have Kansas City as 32. Uh, for me, it's just the Patrick Mahomes factor. Um, I, he's a freak. I, I can't, it's, it's hard. Like, honestly, like basically if they had the same roster as the bears, no, nah, I, I don't want to say the bears. If they had the same roster as the Jaguars right now, but they had Patrick Mahomes, I would still have them probably in the top 10 just because I believe in Mahomes. And I hate that. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that as somebody who is happy about this, but Mahomes is so good that even in the Super Bowl, and obviously like that was proof that he needs help. But I just think he's so good that he he makes the other pieces around him better. And the thing that I think gets slept on with the Super Bowl is Mike Remmers did a pretty stand-up job up until they reshuffled the whole line leading up to the Super Bowl. Like, it's not like, and, and, and Broncos fans overlook this because, like, Mike Remmers is a meme in Broncos country because Von Miller owned him so badly back in Super Bowl 50. But, like, he's actually a capable backup tackle. He just, he probably shouldn't have been a left tackle. Yeah, but he's not the backup tackle right now. No, he's a he's starter, and that's starting an starting tackle, which is a problem. I do think the tackle situation is pretty dire. And honestly, that's why I can't put him in my number one slot. That's fair. If you meet the Bucks in the Super Bowl again, what's going to make it different? Yeah. Jack Barrett's still screaming off the edge, even though I think they did a really good job investing in their interior. Yeah. I don't see them pushing a guy like Vita Vea around. I was really, really glad that they were not able to sign Trent Williams. I was really, really worried that they were going to sign Trent Williams instead of Joe Tooney. I don't like the Joe Tooney signing just because I thought that was a smart signing too, but I would much rather they pay a big money contract to a guard than a tackle. So I do agree with you there. And again, I just, I, yeah, I, again, like I, I just, I think Patrick Mahomes makes up for it enough. Um, I do. I think like again, I want to see how the draft goes. I do think that if if you guys take a running back instead of taking an impact player at another position, I'll feel a lot more confident in them being number one. Just because I think even though a running back helps immediately, a running back doesn't provide the same kind of impact over the whole course of a season that adding like a third pass rusher would. Um, stuff like that. Um, and also, if Kansas City screws around and messes up their tackle situation, I might slide them down. Um, right now, it's kind of uh, there's a little bit of a projection that I do think they're going to be smart enough to fix it. Well, who is who? Who can they fix it with at this point? I mean, most names are off the market who are going to make any kind of impact. Yeah. And right now, they're sitting with uh, Martez Rankins at left tackle and Mike Remmers at right tackle, and that's not good. Yeah, I get I get that. And again, I you're going to end up convincing me to move this, but. 
I, I just, I, I think Mahomes is good enough. I think their receiving core is dangerous enough. And then I think the defense, and again, they're another one of those teams, kind of like the Rams, where they are very top heavy. Um, so I, if they suddenly had a really, really bad rash of injuries, they could slip quite a bit. Um, maybe not Mahomes, obviously. If Mahomes is there. I think they're still going to be a playoff team. But, but you look at their defense, they have all this money locked up in Clark, Jones, and uh, Honey Badger. And like, if anything happens to one of those three, their whole defense is going to slide back. I do think and Willie. I do think Willie Gay is going to come on big this year, though. And honestly, I think it's similar on offense. I mean, you look at the playmakers. You have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Who's your number three guy there? They lost Sammy Watkins in the offseason. Nicole Hardman is fast, but he's never really come along. Demarcus Robinson. I mean, they don't have a third wide receiving option, really, that you feel confident in. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, either Hill or Kelsey get injured, particularly Hill, yeah, I think Mahomes will make up for it, and I think they'll still be good, but that's not a great situation. And that's, to me, the fact that they took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year, I loved it. Like, I hated it because I thought it's a perfect fit in terms of for CEH, but... Taking CEH rather than taking a tackle or a wide receiver, that's that's why I'm really curious to see what the Bucks do. Because it's again, like for you guys, it's one of those things where it's gonna be tempting to take a running back because it'll help immediately. But is it really the best choice? And I think that Kansas City messed up because they could have had Jalen Johnson last year. And granted, they got Sneed, Sneed's good, but they could have had Sneed and Jalen Johnson. That would have sucked. I'm so glad they didn't do that. <laughs> You're right. This is exactly the situation I don't want to be in a year from now yeah. where I'm thinking, man, why did we take that running back instead of that pass rusher? Now we have no pass rushers or whatever position we're in dire need of next year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this, this is fun. Uh, is there any ideal world, I guess, since I asked you about the running backs, ideal world, what do you want the Bucks to do in the draft? Um, I would say first and second round pick, if you know, everything goes your way real, you know, within reason, what do you want them to do at the first and second round picks? Uh, front seven help getting that in Dominican Sue and JPP replacement. And I ideally like it to be edge rusher in the first defensive tackle in the second. Okay. Because I think that's kind of where the value is. I don't love any of the defensive tackles in this class. Yeah. Same. Uh, I'm lower on Christian Barmore than most. He is not my defensive tackle number one. Who is? Um, Jay Tufele. Okay. And he's not someone I really want in the first round necessarily. Yeah. So in my perfect world, he's the second round pick. If not him, maybe uh, Levi Awuzurike from Washington. And I know I probably just butchered that last name, but... He's someone I like as a project developmental player. I really like what he has. He just needs to learn how to use his tools mm -hmm. in the first round i don't know who i really want i know who i really want aziz ojalari he's who i really want i don't think that's realistic so after that i'd love jalen phillips i don't think he'll be there yeah but maybe with his injury history i guess that next group of guys i'm really interested in jason Owe. you build with the tools I really like Joseph Osai. He's a high effort. You know, I think he's going to be a glue guy at the next level. He's going to be a quality player. I don't know if he'll ever be a star, but I like him. Mm -hmm. 
I just, I'm not sure there's an edge rusher who I love. I like the idea of Owe in that scheme with you guys, because I think with Bulls, he would get, even as he's still figuring out how to use his hands, I think Bulls would scheme him up some free runs, and I think he has the burst and the speed to really capitalize on it. Uh, Again, I hope you guys don't do that, because if the Broncos somehow end up seeing you in the Super Bowl, like I wouldn't want to have to deal with that. But I definitely can see the fit there. 